Well, the pressure is on. 12 days, 12 days away. By now, you probably ought to have your tree up. Okay, let's do a little test run. How many people have their tree up? How many people don't have their tree up? Boo. Boo. All right, I don't even know if I should dare ask this question. Uh, how about lights on the outside of your house? A bush, a little bush counts, anything. How many have lights outside their house? Ooh. How many don't? Ooh, humbug. You know, I'll have to admit, this is like the first year in a long time we have lights on our house, and that's uh, just because uh, Mariah is living with us, and uh, she uh, takes care of that kind of thing. Uh, so probably when she's not living with us, we'll go back to no lights. I'm, I'm the candle guy, actually. I, I put those little candles in the window, and last year I was so lazy that I left them in the window. So now this year I need to go make sure they're still there and then check all the batteries. So I haven't done that, but within the next few days, the candles will be on in the window and everything will be right in the world again. But uh, when you think about lights and you think about Christmas, you can't help but not think about this guy. He is the master of lights. The master, for now. But there's someone that is rising very quickly to the top of mastering lights, and that's our own Shelly Rumpel. And, uh, you know, she's uh, been at it, and this is what she's done. Just taking you all a little tour around here. That's an airplane thinking this is a landing strip. <laughs> Need a control tower out there. There's the house. Another plane. Now, now I have to, you, you know, that, that's 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 pretty pretty amazing. Now, now Shelly, I have to say you're missing one decoration, and if you find it, I'll pay for it, okay? I'll pay for it, because if you live in this area, everybody should have one of these on one of their trees outside. <laughs> so I'll, if you find that, I'll pay for it, okay? Just keep it, you know, not like hundreds of dollars, but I'll, I'll pay for that, so. <laughs> right, uh, you see, she's all ready to do that. And she'll have animal rights picketing you, and you'll be on the news. But anyways, I, don't, I digress. I digress. <laughs> now, I have to be honest. When Mariah goes, this will be the lights at the Spencer house, and I'm still waiting to find one of these guys. Just a little, so it looks like there was a lot of lights, and the Grinch stole the lights. But anyway, we're, you know, we're in Christmas, and lights are a big part of Christmas, and that's because of the light of love and the light of Jesus' love and how it touches people's lives. So without the light of love, uh, Christmas is not Christmas. 
And these are some of the things we've been talking about, what makes it simply Christmas. And so we are looked at hope, we've looked at joy, today we took a look at love, next week we look at peace, and we're all trying to put these things together, and uh, it's been great. And if you're watching online, we appreciate you joining us. A shout out to Roger and Becky, some of you got that prayer news, Roger is back home, so that's fantastic, he's out of the hospital, so we can really thank the Lord for that. Continue to pray for them as they come back from that. And uh, it's still, you know, a hard ride. So that's great that they're home. So uh, simply Christmas. So as we start to talk about this, we're, we're looking at how the lights and the light of love, and yet in the same side, we're dealing with a significant darkness this year. Some of us would say, wow, this has been the darkest, hardest year ever. Some of you say not that much, but, but between COVID, between the politics, and then between just everything else in life, this has seemed to be a hard life. Uh, Kevin and uh, Chris uh, read this verse from Isaiah. It's a prophecy, again, at least 2,500 years in the past, maybe even 2,700 years before us. And we read it, and it's not on your screen, but the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who have lived in a land of deep shadows... Light, sunbursts of light, and really we're in that place, and no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at, you've experienced some of the darkness of this world. Sometimes it comes from outside, sometimes you see it in your own life, in your own heart. Even those of us who have said yes to Christ sometimes see that bubbling up. We go, where did that darkness come from? Where did that attitude, where did that idea, where did that concept so we need to have the darkness continually dispelled from our life. Continue on to read about uh, the wise men, the magi. And we read, we saw his star and we have followed its glistening and glean all the way to worship him. They saw the same star they had seen in the east and they followed it. The star went before them until it stopped above the place where the child was. They were very happy and excited to see the star. And then this familiar passage, a reminder again of the light of love. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. But by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. When we read whole and lasting, that's a life that can start in the here and now and continues right on into heaven. And that's where it really pops. That's where it really explodes. But that can begin now. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. Uh, sometimes uh, when we think of religion, when we think of faith, we think of somebody, nah, 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 nah. that is not why God sent his son. He didn't send a point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right. This is the crisis we're in. Again, so you've got this love. God light streamed into the world. Jesus calls himself the light of the world. But men and women everywhere ran for darkness. There are days that you and I don't want the exposure of the light in our life. It doesn't matter who you are. Some days I don't like that. I don't like seeing where I fall short. I don't like seeing the darkness that sometimes can ooze out of my life. So I run from it rather than embracing they went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but sometimes we're all there. But anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes God, light, so the work can be seen for God's work it is. And as we work through this passage, we're going to see this is this light, this light of love. Jesus in our lives isn't just so that we can feel good about life. It's so that we can, in a sense, point to Jesus. This light reflects off us once we've been touched by it. It's not just for us. It's just not to keep our lives lit up, get the darkness out of our light. It's for us to reflect it. Jesus again says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer walk or wander in darkness. And that's a promise that when you and I embrace that light and start walking down that road, we can see that we no longer need to wander in darkness. That's not a promise that your life's going to be perfect. You're going to be perfect. But we don't have to live out of that darkness. We can live in a new way, a born-again way, and we can walk in that rather than be except imprisoned by this darkness. So we're going to walk through some uh, little thoughts here, and the first we're going to start off with this idea, everybody needs the light of love in their lives. I really appreciate uh, Rick Warren for uh, putting some of this information out there so I can use it as a resource this morning. So we're just going to dive in, and we realize that, again, dark lives, and if we want to really get boil things down to the simplicity of life, it involves these things that we've been talking about. So how does this all work? The light of life that every, or the light of love that everybody needs. Well, first of all, we see that it dispels the darkness of disappointment. We lose a job, a relationship, our health. And frankly, the holidays sometimes exaggerate all of that. Money's tight relationships in the past. We remember what it was like to celebrate them. Uh, some of those losses have been because we've lost a loved one. They passed away. Uh, some of those lo- love, love, love loss have been because they've left us or, we've le- or whatever. There's been some kind of complicated thing that's uh, transpired. So everybody needs the light of love in their lives to dispel disappointment. Now, as a 16, 17-year-old, this was a great disappointment. Today, we'll laugh about it, but uh, back then, this was a great disappointment. Some of you may be familiar with the story that uh, my mom is big into Christmas, starts listening to Christmas music the minute we went back to school. Sometimes we'd catch her in September, and she'd be actually kind of embarrassed about it. We'd come home from school, and music would be, you know, rocking, if you will, and uh, so she was really into it. So she was always looking to surprise us. Uh, big deal, wanted to know what we liked and get. So I must have, in late September, mentioned that I wanted uh, a rowing machine. These are in the back of the days where Sears and Roebuck existed, and you could look through there, and I had seen a uh, rowing machine exercise thing, and I, I wanted that badly, and Mom took that in her mind, and so anyway, so she's thinking future, and then later on I forget about that, and she starts talking about how this is going to be the best Christmas ever. Best Christmas ever, best Christmas ever. I know my parents are getting me a car. This is going to be the best Christmas ever. This is awesome. Best Christmas. I mean, all the time, it was like, the best Christmas ever. I'm like, car, car, car. So my parents uh, have this thing they do at the end of gift giving. They act like the gifts are all over. 
And we're all supposed to go like, oh, you know, even at 16 and a half, oh, no more gifts. And then they go, wait a minute. My brother go, wait a minute, Bill, do you think there's one more? And then all of a sudden, boop, there is. And Becky's youngest, she gets it, something she really, really wanted. And then it's Jeff's turn. He gets something he really, really wanted. And now it's my turn. I kid you not. My parents said, your gift is in the garage. Hallelujah chorus is going up, hallelujah. And so I go into that garage. I, what was I thinking? Uh, those were the days where a car could not fit in the garage. It was just like massive stuff in there. And so I opened it up, and I'm expecting to see this car in the garage, and all there is is this big box that says rowing machine on it. So knowing my parents, and if you're listening, Mom, I'm sorry about this, Daddy. Knowing my parents were like, yeah, rowing machines can be so excited. I turn around, this is great. Inside, I'm like, rowing machine. And if you know me and putting things together, that came the real hassle. Now I had to assemble this thing. So we all, you know, get into these situations where there's expectations, there's, there's great disappointment. And that's kind of funny, but for a 16-and-a-half-year-old, I had actually told some of my friends I thought I was getting a car. So this was, this was, this was, this was a tough one. Um, we read in Job, I hoped for happiness and light, but trouble and darkness came instead. And all of us have been in a place where we've hoped for happiness and light and darkness came instead. If we looked at the life of Job, Job's life was fantastic. Wealthy, family, kids were old enough they had their own homes and were partying all the time, celebrating. Uh, Job had a good relationship with God. It was just, it was just, it was a great time to be a part of Job's life. And then all of a sudden, everything out of the blue is taken away. And he says, I hoped for happiness and light, light in my life, but trouble and darkness came instead. And if you live on this planet just a little while, you experience that. You, you have that happen. And what's, what's I, I don't know if it's interesting, but what needs to be understood is that as we gather together and as we know other people, sometimes we don't see that they got trouble and darkness. We just see the good stuff. So all of us have a story, whoever we are. We have this story where something, uh, it wasn't good. And sometimes you see the life that looks like it's the most put together. That life has gone through some of the darkest times you could imagine. And I say often, you want their life now, but you don't want what they had to go through to get there. Darkness is dispelled by the light of love. Also, we see that it dispels distress. And again, these things are very similar. We're not going in any order. We're just grabbing at these, trying to see where we're connected with them. You might be connected with one or a bunch. But as we think about darkness is dispelled by light, and we see the distress. We read, I've cried desperately for help, but still it does not come. We've been there. We've been there. Maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe it's a relational problem. Maybe, again, it's a health problem. Maybe it's you're just trying to figure something out, next steps in life. I've cried desperately for help, but still does not come. 
And we find ourselves in this catch-22 thing. We're trying to trust God. We're trying to look at our life. We could go back to Job and see, wow, Job uh, looks at his life and goes, wow, is there anything wrong with me? I don't think so. He doesn't, come, doesn't go that far, but most of us would go, then there must be something wrong with God. If it's not me, it's God. Or it's me. And we get in this, this distress and it just, uh, it just breaks us up. It seems like there's no, no, no relief for it. Also, sometimes darkness comes in the form of doubt. We just, we just don't know what the next step is. We, we see the uncertainty of the war, world. And some of us, are, we're really experiencing this uncertainty. Uh, you know, let's just put it on the table. Uh, some of us think we're doing way too much when this comes to this whole COVID thing. And some of us think we're doing not enough. We're all over the page. And I've actually watched people go all over. One minute, not enough. Now, too much. Back and forth and all around. It's an uncertain time. Uncertain time. And then there are other things that are uncertain. Some of us wonder about our jobs. How are things going to go? How are things going to unfold? How's my business? How's my employer doing? How are my kids Maybe kids are in a different part of the country, and it's, it's, just, it's just locked down really hard there, and you're, you're wondering, what's, what's going on? Um, sometimes I just I wonder, you know, I'll be honest with you, you know, we haven't seen my parents for a while now. And, uh, you know, they're seven hours away in another state, and there's all these kind of rules to get in there. And, you know, you, you live in a little bit, what's going to happen? Is someone going to come into their house and give it to them or not? Or is it a big, you know, you just go all over the place. There's a lot of uncertainty out there. Also, going along with this, the one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. We sometimes, sometimes feel that. Uh, Rick Warren tells a story of one of their pastors on staff, and he said there was a day, night where it was really, 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 really foggy, and so he was driving home from the church, and it was just really hard to navigate, hard to see where he was going, staying on the road, all those kinds of things. Uh, some of us have been there in snowstorms. You're just like, where is the road? Am I in the middle of the road? Am I off the road? No, I don't, I don't hear that rumble stick. That's when we love that middle rumble stick. Oh, I'm going over too far one way and all of that stuff. So he, it was foggy like that. And finally, he came upon a car in front of him, and he goes, whew, I'm just going to follow this car. This is great. He's going to follow this car. This guy seems to know where he's going. He's going slow, but he's not hesitating that much, so I'm just going to follow him. And sure enough, he follows him, and all of a sudden, the car stops wicked quick, and he bangs into the car. So he gets up out of the car, and he's trying to be composed. He's a little irritated about the guy who was following. He's wondering what that guy's going to say back and forth. guy gets out of the car, and he gets out of the car, and he says, why'd you stop? He says, because this is my driveway. Sometimes life is like that. It dispels the darkness of depression. Depression is different than being distressed. It's different than not knowing what the next step is. It's just when the world caves in on us. And Christmas, for some people, uh, you hear some people talk about holiday blues or a blue Christmas. For some, this is just agony this time, and there's, there's a real sense of, of depression. It's, it's not you're spiritually off someplace. It's just that you are weighed down with life, and it's so, so, so hard. 
The thought of my pain is bitter poison. I think of it constantly, and my spirit is depressed. You can feel that way. And sometimes, I'm going to say maybe often, it means that you need to go visit a doctor. Not one of these guys that says it's all spiritual, just read your Bible more, pray, and your depression will disappear. Sometimes uh, there's some extra treatment. Sometimes you've got to take some medicine. There was a time in my life, I don't know, maybe you know, 15, 18 years ago, where I was just torn up inside, and I was angry all the time. And I happened to mention to my doctor, and he said, you know, Dave, I think I should put you on this. I can't remember what it was. And you should take this for like seven mo- six months and see if it kind of gets you over the hurdle. And uh, then I felt all embarrassed. You know, I'm a pastor. What am I doing? Taking this medicine. And I should just tough it out. And I said, you know, if I had a heart thing, if I had another thing, and the doctor said, you know, something's off, take the medicine. You know, don't lean on the medicine solely. I'm leaning on God, and I'm, but I'm also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking this. And so, sure enough, it took a couple weeks to get into my system, and it kind of helped me through that. And I got to the other side, and I was able to stop taking it, and uh, uh, that was good. So there's some of us that need to do something like that on short term. I don't think we should run to that the first time we feel a little down. Uh, you need to talk with a counselor to help clarify where that is, and that, that's Okay. And then there's some of us that need to be on something like that because it's just it's the way our chemicals and our brain are wired for the rest of our lives. In our family, uh, we have some people on the Spencer side that uh, have, have to be on this stuff all the time. And what's amazing is when they're on that medicine, they are sound. Their mental health is sound. And they start to feel good. And what do they do? I feel good so I can go off the medicine. Then they go off the medicine and then they get back into problems. So this is a serious thing. So it's just not the Bible as a, in, in, in praying. There can be more going on in your life. And again, I think we ought to look to God first. But I think you ought to also take that into account. Um, clinical depression is, is a real thing. And you shouldn't be embarrassed about that. Um, interesting, I came across something just this week. Uh, it was a Barna research uh, thing, and uh, he, the Barna has, for the last two decades, done a mental health review. And I guess they reach out to a thousand plus people, and they just say, "How are you feeling on this scale?" And 2020 has been a year where overall the percentage has gone from uh, 89% down about nine points, and uh, or actually it's gone down to 76 points. And they said the only demographic that actually didn't report a decline in 2020 in mental health were those who attended religious services weekly. That group actually showed an increase of 4% compared to 2019. So that's a great commercial, that it's good you're here, it's good you're watching online, because there is something about that. The light of love in Christ helps our life. And by the way, that uh, will be posted on our Facebook page, so you can go and look at that article if you want to uh, later on today. So what do we do? How do we, how do we actually uh, dispel the darkness? You see, I use the word, how can Jesus dispel the darkness? Because Jesus is the light. He calls himself the light. So how can Jesus dispel the darkness in our life? We read in Samuel, you, Lord, are my light. 
you dispel my darkness. And this needs to be a regular thing in our life. And if you're continually walking in, letting the Lord dispel the darkness, I say we think we stay in a better place, and it's less of a roller coaster. So, first of all, he will encourage me when I am disappointed. God can encourage us. Jesus can encourage us. Uh, we sang the song, Emmanuel, God is with us. We sing it all over the place. Anytime you see Emmanuel, remember, God with us, God with me, he's with me. And the reality is he's with you all the time. You just need to be aware that he's with you. I was reading a psalm this week, and it talked about where can I go? Where can I hide from you, from God? And the guy's going down through the stuff and the shoals and this, the blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden you go, wow, that's great. We, God, you know, God's always with us. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, it's not great because God's always with me. He sees everything. But this idea that God is with us and being aware of his presence. The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He sees those who have lost all hope. Isn't that, isn't that fantastic? That God sees you when you're discouraged, sees me when I'm discouraged, sees me when I'm disappointed, that he's aware of it. He's not too busy. He actually sees my individual life and is aware of it and wants the light to dispel that darkness of disappointment. We also say that, see that Jesus will strengthen me when I am distressed when I'm just like up to here, uh, I'm feeling like I'm crumbling under the weight, I'm stressed out, and I'm just, ooh, I'm just, everything, you know, sets me off. Have you ever been like that? You're just like, it's like, it's not you're sick, it's not that you have clinical depression, but you're just, you're just wound up so tight that everything sets you off. And all it would take is like a spilled glass of water in the kitchen. You're like, ah! You know, you just, you're under distress. It's like up to here. We read, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I love that translation infuses inner strength to me. There are days where I just, I need inner, inner strength just infused to me, and it's, it's not going to come from any other source but my relationship with God. And I found there are times in life where, and all of a sudden I stop, realize he's with me, and all of a sudden I have this, this, this inner calm, this ability to move forward through the darkness. And uh, I have enough to take next steps. And that's our next thought, is he will guide me when I'm in trouble. One of my favorite gadgets, no, my phone is still my favorite, but one of my favorite, you know, top 15, is, is this headlamp. And uh, I love this headlamp because it really is bright, and I don't, I don't get to use it as much as I would like to. I used to use it when I'd go backpacking, and you'd be still out there in the nighttime, but you can dim the lights for a little bit, but uh, I love this. Look at this. I can put the, it right in Jerry's eyes, right in the back row, who's, who's way back there, I don't reckon, but I'm, you know, I just love this, 
And uh, yeah, it can give me a little distance. Um, but you, you know, the, some of the scariest times is when we can't see, uh, when we don't uh, know what next step is. Uh, I'm a bike rider, and I, you know, I'm a boring bike rider. When I'm outside, I do the same route. They go, people go, where did he go? I just go, I ride down here and back here, down here. And there used to be this house beginning getting onto Route 96. And sometimes I go out way early, and the sun was still down. And I had my lights on my bike, but they only would give me like a little bit. And I'd come by this house, and I'd hear this dog. And I could actually hear the dog get out on the pavement and start chasing me. It was great for my time. And I'd be just, yeah, I couldn't see it. I couldn't really see. what. I'm like, I'm going to run into something. I'm going to hit something. But I'm just flying down the road, and the light is just giving me enough to, to kind of keep my bearings. And uh, that's, what, that's what God says to us. He, you know, through Jesus, he'll help us to take the next steps when we're doubtful. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, so if you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness, for living light will flood your path. He dispels. We need to leave. It's not a one-and-done moment where we say yes to Christ. Yes, it is for our eternal security, but it's not this one thing. We just do it, and we never think about it again. We need to be engaged with having Christ be the light of our lives. And when we follow him, that's a daily following. That's a hourly following. And sometimes in my life, it's a minute-by-minute following. I'm just in a bad way or I'm just in a confused way. And I need to kind of like follow him every minute of the moment. Your words are like flashlights to the light path or to the light to the path ahead of me and keep me from stumbling. Uh, I was thinking about this and going, I always like to tell a story. I remember when the kids were young and we'd go check in on them. And I didn't have a flashlight, and I don't even think I had a cell phone back then in the beginning. Maybe I did, but I didn't think to use it as a flashlight. And uh, you'd go in and check them. All three of them were sharing a room. And uh, I, if there was no light in that room, it was, like, dangerous because you'd be, I'd be in bare feet, and I knew there were, like, Barbie shoes hanging around. And if you've ever gotten a high heel Barbie shoe stuck in your foot, it is not pleasant. It actually draws blood. So I'd be going, like, I'd, like, tiptoe, kind of kick my foot forward just to make sure I didn't, like, step on anything. But uh, having a little light, you could kind of see your way. And the same is true with relationship with God. Uh, He will change me when I'm depressed. And again, this is not to take anything away from uh, clinical depression, seeking out help in that area. But it's a tandem thing. It's just not one or the other. When When I like to refer someone to a Christ follower or to a counselor, I like to have them be a Christian who happens to be a counselor. Sometimes there are those out there that are, that are counselors that kind of happen to be a Christian. I want it the other way. And I don't want it to be, I, I want it to be somebody who understands hum, uh, human behavior science, who understands your body, who understands how your mind works, who understands how um, to diagnose maybe some trauma in the past, not just, not just skirting over the top of the issues. And, and they're hard to find. Sometimes around here, you've got to go all the way down to Ithaca. You go up to Rochester or Syracuse to find that kind of person that, that loves Jesus, is a Christian first, but they also can navigate all those kinds of things. And it, it's a much more complex uh, situation to untie those knots. But with that, Christ can change me. It is possible for light to turn the things it shines upon into light also. We read on, the light produces in people all that is good, right, and true. 
So as we lean into the light of Christ, as we follow Christ, it starts to shake things out. We start to change. We start to grow. Uh, we start to become who he wants us to become. And that's just not so he, we're who he wants. He wants us to become certain because he knows what life will be as we grow into who he's made us to be. The darkness in our life disappears. The new life of life in Christ shines in. So, this week we're talking about love. We're talking about it being the light of love. In Kid Zone, uh, they're learning this today. This is their bottom line. God loved us much that he loved us so much that he gave a savior. And for some of us, we've got to start there. That sounds so basic, but it's not just basic. That is revolutionary, that God would love us so much that he would give us a savior. And the savior he gave us was his son. It wasn't some other person. It was his son. So as we think about light, we think about the love of, of the light of love, we also have to ask how do we then not only experience the dispelling of darkness in our own lives, but how do we pass that on to others? In Philippians, we read, Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living, not in a self-righteous way, but good living, and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. So this isn't just light for you. It's not so you can just hunker down and, ooh, I'm okay, I'm okay with God, I'm kind of doing the Christian thing. It's, it, it, it just, it's not that, that's part of it, but it's to export that light. It's to reflect that light. It's to learn how to be a light reflector so others see him in you, and then maybe they'll have the darkness dispelled from their life. He comforts us even he comforts us every time we have trouble so that when others have trouble, we can comfort them with the same comfort God gives us. I don't really like this verse because that means some of the things that come into my life might be just coming in so that I can be a comfort to somebody else. God, give that job to somebody else, please. Don't give it to me. But that's what happens. And so sometimes our life gets shaken up, gets stirred, it's heavy, and it's all so that we, in our brokenness, in our shakenness, can turn around and point to him. Just like a glow stick, sometimes God needs to break you or shake you or whatever you do and put you into, a, into the dark for him to shine through you. And uh, you are all familiar with these little glow stick things. You know, you crack them and shake them, and, you know, and all of a sudden you got some light here, but without the breaking and the shaking and all that kind of stuff, they don't illuminate. And sometimes our shaking and breaking is all designed to be illumination. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just uh, thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you did send your son and that he was willing to go. So awesome that he was willing to go. We really, really appreciate that, and uh, it changes everything. Father, I just ask that my friends here this morning, uh, if there's some area in their life where darkness seems to just be creeping in in significant ways, that 
the light of your love would dispel that darkness. It would push it away so that they can see clearly. And if there's someone in here that's never said yes to you, they've never said, Lord, I want you in my life 24-7. I want your spirit in my life. I want to be connected with you. May they, even in this moment, say, yes, Jesus, I thank you that you came and gave your life, rose again, and that they could start to live a relationship life with you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. On your way out, you can actually get